Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to gather before you. And as we step into this new series of building a strong Christian life, that we ask that you would help us to discover those things that you want us to about what that life should be and how we need to be living that according to your plan and your purpose. We bless you and we honor you. Amen. Well, as Pastor Robert said, we're starting a new series beginning today called Building the Strong Christian Life. And Pastor Gill talks about this as, in some ways, it's like a recipe of there's a whole lot of ingredients in the the Christian life. And in order for the recipe to come out really well, that we need to include all of those different elements. And over the next 10 weeks, that there's a lot of those disciplines. It's not going to be completely exhaustive. It's not going to cover everything, but it's going to cover many of the really important ones. As we want to pay attention and we want to discover with each other what those are, how we can live those out and apply those in our lives. I will point out that you have a workbook available in paper this morning, or if you're Joining us online, you can download a copy of that. There's some notes in there. There's some extra passages. There's some more reading that you can do. You can study and you can take that with your small groups and explore that further and discover some more than we're going to be able to cover here this morning. There's also a couple of other resources that are in there that are mentioned. There's a a book called Reimagining Evangelism by Rick Richardson. It's a great book talking about more conversational and just being natural about interacting with other people. There's another one called Doing What Jesus Did, Ministering in the Power of the Holy Spirit. That's also mentioned in there. It's by a married couple who are part of our larger Foursquare family. And they talk about what Jesus did. I know many years ago, there was a whole lot about what, what did Jesus do? And trying to figure that out. Well, this is looking at it from the point of what did Jesus actually do? And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do some of those same things. We want to look at that as well as a helpful resource. So today we're going to talk about the Great Commission and three specific aspects of that. And so if you want to follow along in your Bibles, we're going to spend most of our time in Matthew 28. And towards the end of that. You might think, well, you know, the Great Commission, I know that one pretty well. And I've thought that many times when I come to this. Maybe you think the same way. Over the past couple of weeks, I would say months maybe, my wife Catherine and I have had the opportunity to join with some other people in exploring the Great Commission a little bit more and making disciples. And in one of those sessions over Zoom, with people who are outside of our Lakeshore family, in fact, even outside of our Foursquare family, that we were in a breakout room as part of that. And in that group, we had somebody from Germany, somebody from Nepal, somebody from Kenya, and another person from Asia. And that was all that he could say, that he was from Asia. He couldn't reveal what country he was part of because of security, and his life could be at risk if it got out that he was a believer in that country. And so we learned some things from those other people. 
I've also been able to incorporate some of the notes that I've taken with respect to discipleship over the years and discovered and learned myself, along with incorporating this into the outline that Pastor Gill gave for us for this particular message. So the Great Commission, what is it? In brief, it's Jesus among his final words that he gave to his disciples, and then he used that to commission them, to send them out, to command them and entrusted them with the mission that he started and asked them to carry it out and continue that mission going forward. So let's look at Matthew 28, verse 18. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. So here he was speaking to a group of people who all their lives had known nothing but the authority of the Roman Empire. That's what they grew up with. And in generations before generations upon generations beforehand, it was the Roman Empire for 100 years. It was the Greek Empire for several hundred years before that. All they had ever known was the authority of this oppressive foreign empire. And Jesus said, all authority is mine and I send you out. He was telling them that the authority of this world is no more, that his authority trumps that. It takes over that. And what he is going to tell them and commission them to, it's essentially, it's a transfer out of the system of the world, out of the authority that they've known all their lives and into the authority of the kingdom of God. And because it's his authority and he was commissioning them, they get to go with that same level of authority complete shift from everything that they've ever known in their whole life. Now, if you look back on it, at one point, early in Jesus' ministry, that wasn't the case. The devil even came to Jesus, took him up on a high mountain, and said, here, all the kingdoms of the world, they're all yours. All you need to do is just bow down and worship me, and it can be all yours. And Jesus said, get lost. Get out of here. That's not the mission the Father has sent me on. And he walked out his ministry, eventually taking it to the cross and rising from the dead and defeating the devil. And now, as he states, all authority has been given to me. The devil was defeated at that point. And he then sends the disciples. I know for myself, sometimes I feel like, well, I'm not, I'm not qualified to go out and make disciples doesn't matter what we feel. Jesus is the one that has made us qualified. He has all authority and he has sent us out. In the book of John, both before and after he went to the cross and rose from the dead, he said, specifically, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So the same way that, and the same authority that he goes, so do we. So sent, sent to do what? So that brings us to the first point. If you're following along in the notes, the first one is the command. Go, therefore, and keep going. Matthew 28, 18 again. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. That word go, it's an action word. And the sense of it is more of as you go, or because you've already left, keep going, or 
keep going, that it, it's rather than a, all right, I'm here, and now I need to go someplace else, it's more of, I've already on my way, and now you're going, and you keep going, and you do it while you go. There's just being intentional while we're going about our lives. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it was, God gave the same message to the, to the uh, people of Israel when he had said, when you sit, when you stand, when you come, when you go, when you're going out, when you're coming in, speak about my word, speak about the things that you know about me. It's being intentional wherever we are, wherever we are going out. And going differs from invite. Going is being out someplace from where you live. It's out in public. It's out as you interact with other people. Whereas invite just, I go back here. I say, hey, why don't you come to me? And then you just wait passively and largely doing nothing. But go is out where other people are in their space and in the space of public. And even though Jesus once said, or probably more than once, come, follow me, which is an invite, but he did it as he went. He was going from one place to another and he just said, come, follow me, come along, watch what I'm doing and come do the same things that I'm doing and invited them. So while he was going, he invited them to come go as well. So it's more of a lifestyle of interacting with other people and making disciples. So who do we go to? In Luke chapter 10, and I won't read it because it's a fairly long chapter, and in 11 as well, Jesus first sent out the 12, and then he sent out the 72 in almost the same way in each case. And he said, go out, look for a person of peace. And when you find that person, stay with them and tell them about the kingdom of God. And as long as they are willing to have you there, you stay with them and then you move on. And if they won't have anything to do with you, then you just move away from that place, that place. I'm going to give a couple of examples of persons of peace in the Bible to help understand what that looks like. One, the woman at the well. Jesus he went to the well. His disciples had gone into town to get some food. And he went over to the well. There was a woman there. And he just struck up a conversation. And they started talking. He turned it into a spiritual conversation. And eventually went really, really deep. Revealing through the power of the Holy Spirit. Many of the things of her life. Mentioning the fact that she had five husbands, for instance. And pointed her to God and true worship. And she was so excited that she went back into town, let the whole town know about Jesus. Come, see this man who was telling everything about me. Could this be the Messiah? And then she came back with all the town behind her to come and meet and interact with Jesus directly themselves. So three points about a person to peace. One is that they're open. They're open to a conversation. They're open to a relationship with you. Two is that they're really hungry. They're hungry for spiritual answers. They're looking for something that you're able to give them. And that through that, discover something about God and answers to the questions that they have. And third, that they are willing to share that with other people. That they're willing and eager to share what they've learned about God with somebody else. 
And it may be something really simple and maybe basic, but they're willing to share that. So go take another example and then look at those three points again. Lydia talked about in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas and a few other disciples were trying to find some place to pray. And they went to a river and they thought that that would be a, a great place to pray. Now that was their thought, let's go pray. And along the way, they encountered this group of women who happened to be there. And again, they just struck up a conversation. And they were, they were in that conversation, were able to talk about some spiritual things. So that's number one. They found somebody who was open. And they started talking about spiritual things and led to Lydia deciding that she wanted to be baptized. So that was number two, hungry. Hungry for spiritual answers to the questions that she had, which led to baptism. And then she was willing to share. So she invited those men and others that were with them back to her home so that, that they could share more of the same with her extended family and friends. Cornelius, very similar in Acts chapter 10. Peter went to Cornelius' house by invitation from Cornelius. Cornelius had questions about God. He was open to a relationship and a friendship and a conversation with Peter. Cornelius was hungry for answers to the spiritual questions that he had, and he shared it with other people. He invited his family and friends to be there. He said, Peter, whatever you got to tell us about God, we're hungry, we're open, share with us. Those are all examples of the person of peace. And it's part of our job is to ask the Lord, who are those persons of peace around us, who you are already drawing to yourself that we can interact with, who are open to a conversation, who have spiritual questions and need help in discovering what those answers are. Some of the ways that we can, we can do that, even Pastor Robert talked about that this morning, about the food that's been gathered, which we use throughout the year in Food Gives, by meeting specific needs of people in the community that it gives them an opportunity to receive food and then say, why are you doing this? And then we can answer that question. Well, it's the love of God that compels us to help in whatever way we possibly can. Let them ask more questions and drive to that. Why are you doing this? And sometimes we can even, as Jesus did, come follow me, invite somebody else who is yet to be following Jesus to come along and help in that effort as they begin to discover how great it is and the love of God lived out to help other people. Another example that I remembered is that uh, a, a man by the name of Bruce Olson, he was a, a missionary in Venezuela, led a tribe of of native Venezuelans to Christ, and that tribe led another tribe and another tribe. But eventually, some of that overlapped with some corrupt, um, corrupt people who are working in and around the same area. And he and a number of the, the, the disciples there were kidnapped by terrorists and those who were trying to take them and use them as hostages to be able to make money. They're like, All right, we've got this American, a bunch of people. We can just 
call somebody back in the U.S. and they're going to pay big dollars to have these people released and we're going to have a rich and fancy life to ourselves. And because we're not going to, as believers, aren't going to help to enable that, there was no uh, payment of the ransom. And so they were in captivity for a long time. And over that period of time, the kidnappers began, at least some of them, began to get sick. And Bruce realized that part of it was because when they would go to the bathroom, they'd be going right next to their water source. So they were basically poisoning themselves. He, uh, here he is, he's been kidnapped several weeks, tied up, they're oppressed, they want to get back to their families and homes and normal things, and they're stuck there. He helped them get clean hygiene to stop doing what they were doing and to make their lives better. And those kidnappers recovered. And they asked the question, why are you doing this? And he led some of them to Christ. And that helped to bring about their release. But some of those men who were kidnappers transferred into the kingdom of God and into a new person, a new lifestyle. Some of the questions, I mean, after you ask, why are you doing this? And you answer that question. Then, rather than trying to give them the entire message of the whole gospel all in one sitting, it's, how can we carry on this conversation? When can we get together again and, and talk about more about this, rather than feeling that we've got to get it all done all at once? So that was the first point. Jesus commanded, as we go, intentionally look for those people that he is drawing. The second one Number two, the assignment, make disciples of all nations. So Matthew 28, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. What's a disciple? That's somebody who is transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the kingdom of the world, into the kingdom of Jesus, into a new kingdom, into a new light, into a new world. And so being a disciple, it's all about learning to love God, love others, make disciples, and doing that in the community of other people who are doing the same thing. Discipleship is really the process. It's intentional, and that's why we're doing this 10-week series and that it's a process that as we learn, it changes how we think, it changes how we feel, changes what we do, all to reflect the person of Jesus. And he says to go make disciples of all the nations. This is bigger than just our Gastonia campus. It's bigger than Lakeshore. It's bigger than the United States. It's the whole world, the nations that Jesus wants us to have. And as we look at making disciples, it's important to pray. And what is God's heart for the nations? And what is our part in that? It seems enormously huge, but we discovered this series of only God can do the impossible. And so we want to pray, how God, do you want to do the impossible, the whole of the nations? And how do you want us here on this campus to be able to be a part of that? So there are two activities. One was baptize. And the other one was teach to obey. So look at baptize. Baptize means literally to take and immerse 
into something and to become completely transformed to be different. Like it's like taking a, a white cloth, dunking it into a blue dye, letting it soak all the way through and pulling it out. And now it's blue. It's completely different than it was before. So baptism, there's water baptism, which means the, the public declaration that I am transferring from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God. That's the immersion of that and coming back out as a new creation. There's also baptism of the Holy Spirit where we are filled with and immersed into the person of the Holy Spirit. And then there's a baptism of God's presence that he is with us all the time. Baptize them, immerse them, fill them into the very presence of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so God's presence is, is, is with us all the time. He said, as you go, being baptized, being filled, being immersed into that person of God. The other is teaching them. Not teaching them knowledge, but teaching them to observe, teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. How many people remember the Garden of Eden? Anybody remember the Garden of Eden? Wait, do you remember it because you were old enough to be there? Just kidding. But you do might remember that, that God had said, you can eat of all of these trees, but this one, don't touch this one. This one's off limits. And so the serpent came along and tempted Adam and Eve. Said, go ahead, eat, eat of that one. Eat of that one. And Eve said, reminding the serpent, God told us we may not eat the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden. Oh, but the serpent says, God knows that on the day you eat it, you will see clearly and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the temptation in the garden was that knowledge was more important than obedience. And that's what they fell for. And the temptation that we could fall for too is that we want to go with knowledge alone And not bother obeying. But Jesus said, teach them to obey all the things I commanded. But we in America, we like to be independent. And when somebody says, yeah, you got to be obedient. It's like, I don't know about that obedient thing. Don't tell me what to do. But some of that is because when we've heard being obedient in church circles, at least some of us, myself, maybe others, we've heard what people want us to obey rather than what God wants us to obey. Like, for instance, I remember being in a church where they said, here's what you need to wear. Here's the music that you need to listen to or not listen to. Here's all these different rules that were coming up in order for you to really be acknowledged as a true believer. And all of those rules were man-made. They weren't from Jesus. Jesus, on the other hand, he connects obedience with love for him. In John chapter 14, there's three different verses. I'm just going to read them quickly. 15, he said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. And verse 24, he who does not love me, will not obey my teaching. So if you love Jesus, you want 
to obey him rather than having to be forced into it because he's the king. That's what you need to do. That's the end of it. But it's if you love him, you want to obey because his commands are good. In fact, Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, after he had given all these different commands, then he said, it's like a a man who builds his house on a rock. But the rock, the house, it all stays because it's built on the right foundation. And you, if you listen to my words and you do what I've just talked about, you put them into practice, you're like the man who's the wise man building his house on that rock. Your life has a strong foundation. And so that's what we want to do. George Patterson was a missionary, author, and he did a great job of helping me, and I want to share with you just seven basic commands that Jesus had that just summarizes what Jesus had given for commands. So rather than, oh yeah, you got to wear this particular type of clothing, Jesus never said anything of that, but type of music that you listen to, his commands just summarized and just about everything that you can think of that Jesus commanded fall into one of these seven. The first one was repent or change your mind. Change your mind about the kingdom of the world and change into and repent and go in a different direction to the kingdom of light. The second one, be immersed in God, be baptized. Already talked about that one. Number three is love God. Love others, even so far as loving your enemy. It being a sacrificial love. Jesus talked about that one a lot. The fourth one, we did that today already. Celebrating the Lord's Supper, taking communion together. Celebrating the very presence of God, being immersed in God's presence as we take communion together. Five, talk with God. Pray, interact, and have a relationship with God. Number six, be generous, give to other people who are in need. And number seven, share what you've experienced, making disciples, share what you discover. Those are the seven basic commands of Jesus. So when he says, teach them to obey all that I've commanded, it's these kinds of commands that he's talking about, not anything that's man-made. So we want to focus on what is it that Jesus said and teach those things and teach to obey as that being a lifestyle, and a process of helping other people become followers of Jesus. And the third point, number three, the promise, I am with you always. Matthew 28, verse 20. And he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I used to look at that phrase out of the Great Commission, and I'd say, yeah, 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 whatever. You're always with us. Of course you are. You're God. All right, let's go back to the really meaty thing and let's talk about make disciples again. But as I've been looking at this one over the past couple of weeks, it's to me, this was the most profound of it all. That sometimes I would think that Jesus would say, you know, I'm the king. You do what I say. Go make disciples. Just get it done. And then there's this guilt trip that goes along with it. But in some ways, it's more like, I'm the king. I rule and reign everywhere. You are my representatives. You represent the person of me as my ambassadors and go. Train other people and I will be with you the whole 
time that you're doing it. You're not alone. You are immersed in my presence. You are not an orphan. You're not going out there just doing it by yourself. I am with you every single step of the way. Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with us rather than us feeling like, oh, I got to do this thing all by myself. God is with us. That's the, the command. That's the hope. That's the promise of the Great Commission. And there's hope in that. To me, in the past, I always felt a lot of guilt that just go out there and do it. But it's so different than that. It's about bringing the love of God and the hope of God, the presence of God with us as we walk through that. And his presence is with us the whole time. And the power of the Holy Spirit working through us and in us as God wants to exercise that. So just summarizing those points, Jesus has sent us, we're empowered in his authority to go look for people, people who are open to a, to a conversation, to a connection, who are hungry, having spiritual questions that need to be answered and they need help discovering what those are, that are people who are willing to share that discipleship is a process. It just takes time. And it's something that we all work at and we can work at together over time as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, to change how we think, how we feel, what we do. We immerse ourselves in God's very presence and we stay in his presence. We get to stay in his presence. That's the good news. We get to stay in his presence all of our life. And as we walk out and learn to obey Jesus' commands, we have his presence to empower us to do so. Amen. So the last point is how to become an effective witness for Christ. And we'll wrap up there. And Joe, if you wanted to come and play a few notes, and we'll close out with that. Three points. One, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a passion for those who are far from God. As I mentioned over the past few months, months my wife, Catherine, and I have had the opportunity to join in and listen into some video calls from people who are making disciples. And in some cases, some of them are making hundreds, even thousands of, of disciples for Christ in this country, in, in Florida and in Maine and Texas and Pennsylvania they're making hundreds and thousands of, of disciples. And what was consistent across so many of them that they started with was prayer. And praying and asking God, what is it, God, that you want to do? What's the vision that you have for our area that we need to grab a hold of? And then, God, give me that heart that you have for the people here. And help me to realize that as you want to accomplish that big, what seems like an impossible thing, that you will be with us the whole time working that out. And number two goes along with that is also pray. Ask the Holy Spirit for boldness to share your faith. Boldness to start with a spiritual conversation. Boldness to step out in signs and wonders as the Holy Spirit leads as that's a, a means of being able to point to other people and say, yes, God is real and he loves you and he cares about you, wants to see breakthrough in your life. 
And number three, be a doer of the word. It's hard to be able to invite somebody else to obey the commands of Jesus unless we're also doing that ourselves. So be a doer of the word, as James wrote in in chapter one. So let's pray. And if you'd like to stand, we will close in prayer. Father, I ask that you would give us a passion for those who are far from you, a passion to share the love of God. Help us to live that out of love of God and love for others as we encounter other people. Open our eyes to those who have those spiritual questions around us that are looking to discover what those answers are and that those come from you. And as we walk out in the presence of the Father and then of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that we would be in a position to bring the truth and bring the revelation and bring the insight and lead other people into that relationship with you. We bless you and we honor you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Come on, give David a hand. Give him a hand. So grateful, so grateful. Listen, this was the first lesson in building a strong Christian life. A passion for souls. A passion for souls. It's important that we begin to pray. Easter's coming up. There might be someone that the Lord will put on your heart, on your mind, in your pathway to befriend, or a friend that you already have. And you can, while you're going, connect with them and begin to ask the Lord to plant seeds and open their hearts. Sometimes people who would never come to a church service will come on Easter Sunday. So just begin to pray about that. Last thing I want to share with you. We love you. We're praying for you. We're believing God for the best for you in 2022. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.